We're going to finish up today. We're in the final blitz of Galatians. Um, we've been there for a little bit and excited to be able to bring this book to a close. I, I, I've enjoyed being in this book. This has been really a, a stretch for me personally because there's been things that I've been convicted of. There's been things that I have seen in my own life where I need to, to lay down um, my own sinfulness, my own pride. Um, and, and God has just been gracious to reveal where I need to repent. And so we're in the final blitz of this book of Galatians. And Paul is giving his final warning and final instructions to the church that's in Galatia. And, and so what I, I want us to do is, is just to, we're going to read the text. We're going to be in chapter 6 and we're going to be in verse, start in verse 11. And, and we're just going to read it and then we're going to unpack it. So let's dive in and look at this. Verse 11. See with large, with the lar- large letters that I am writing to you with my own hand. So he's obviously having issues seeing. So he's writing with big font. He's got big writing there. And it is to those... Who want to make a good showing. It's to those that want to make a a good showing. In the flesh. Who would force you to be circumcised. And only in order that they. May be not persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised. Do not themselves keep the law. But they desire to have you circumcised so that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but only a new creation. And as long as all who walk by the rule By this rule, peace and mercy upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, no one causes me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, your spirit, brothers. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to expound this word, to look at it, to preach it, to to study it. God, I pray that you would do what only you could do and your Holy Spirit would stir our affections towards you and see that you are all that we need. Help us in these moments. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So Paul ends Galatians though a lot like he starts it. He, he makes sure the church is understanding that there's a danger in following after people who are demanding that they be circumcised. He is warning of the people in the church who are teaching that you have to do certain things in order to find peace with God. And then there's so many different uh, churches and organizations, even in this day. But in this moment, this was a group of, they were called the Judaizers. And the Judaizers said, listen, what you need to do, yes, follow Christ, but you need to have Christ plus you need to be circumcised in order to get into heaven. So... 
there was this struggle that was happening and Paul was addressing this and telling people in the church of Galatia, the churches of Galatia, that listen, you don't have to do this. You don't have to find, you don't have to do something extra in order to find peace with God. You don't have to do something different to find salvation. Now, here's the deal. Nobody in the modern church today is saying, listen, you got to be circumcised to get into heaven. There's, I mean, there's nobody in, in America. Maybe there might be some weird things in Arkansas. I don't know. But, I mean, not. Anybody, if you're from Arkansas, I, I apologize. My aunt's from there. God bless her. Um, that was not. See, this is what I'm trying to know. Follow my notes. I've got to follow my notes. But. But there's no one in the modern church that is, is saying you've got to be circumcised in order to be saved. But, man, what's happening in, the, in this system today, there's, there's, a, there's still a works-based system that is in play in modern churches today. It just changed forms. It's not circumcision. Now it's, man, you've got to have good works. You've got to keep up good works. And if you, uh, there's certain churches that believe, man, you're saved by grace, but you're kept by your works. So if I get saved, say if somebody got saved here this morning, but I go outside and I slam my hand in my car and I cuss, man, there's a potential I could lose my salvation. That's ridiculous and not in the Bible, but there are churches that teach this. There are churches in this vicinity within the next hundred miles that teach that you've got to be baptized in order to be saved. There are churches that are not far from here, just around the corner, that say you've got to be baptized in their church. If you're not baptized in their church, you don't go to heaven. Well, that's not in the Bible. You're saved. Ephesians chapter 2 says you're saved by grace through faith alone. Alone. Saved by grace through faith alone. Not in anything else. You're saved by grace through faith. And so... What we've got is we've got different groups and organizations that call themselves religious groups or churches and say what you have to do, not you don't have to be circumcised, yeah, you trusted Christ, but you also got to trust in the water. That's not in the Bible. Groups such as the Catholic Church, the Church of Christ, the Christian Church, the Disciples of Christ, Methodists, uh, the United Pentecostals, all teach that baptism is necessary. Baptismal regeneration is necessary for God to complete his work. That's not taught in the Bible. That ever, that's not taught in the scriptures. That you need to have baptism in order to be sealed into heaven. And this is the same line of thinking that the Judaizers taught when it came to circumcision. They said, yes, follow Jesus, but also do this. Yes, follow, but you've got to do this. You've got to be circumcised in order to get into heaven. And, and they said it was necessary. And Paul came back and said, no, it's not necessary. It never really was necessary. People tend to add stuff. This is why I say biblical Christianity is way different than any. This is how I know it's not a man-made religion. Look at every other man-made religion in the world. You've got to do something in order to achieve salvation. It's not God's work on behalf of you. It's you do something and white knuckle it and make sure you grind and make sure that you hustle and get to the point where you can achieve and then you can be saved. I've had men and women tell me, man, I've got to be good enough to get saved. No. I've said it a hundred times. You've got to be a mess to get in. Anybody in the room a mess? Guess what? We're in good company then. Amen? We're, we're in good company. 
Amen? I'm telling you. It, you guys just heard a couple weeks ago when dad was here. Dad preached on baptism. And we heard that last that it's not needed in order to secure your salvation. Christ's work on the cross alone is what secures our salvation. Christ's blood on the cross that was shed, his perfect blood that was shed on the cross, is what is needed to save you. Nothing else. And these groups that I mentioned above, they're no different than any other works-based religious system in the world. That's why I keep saying Biblical Christianity is set up by God and God alone because any other religion that's got man, man's hands in it always has, it ties your works to getting God's approval. That's not in the Bible. God's approval of you is based upon his own work on the cross, not your work. Now, are good works a thing in Christianity? Absolutely. But why do you have good works? Because you are saved. When Christ transforms your heart, you're going to look different. You're going to be different. Amen? But these groups that I've mentioned above, they're no different than the works-based religious systems all through the, through the Old Testament and the New Testament. Romans chapter, Paul said in Romans chapter 11, verse 6, he says, But if by grace, if we're saved by grace, it's no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. When you mix works and grace for salvation, it makes what Christ did on the cross meaningless. When you look at Jesus and say, okay, Jesus, listen, I can imagine, I know this sounds blasphemous, but just, you had this conversation with the Lord Jesus Christ. God, I know you died on the cross for my sins. I know that you shed your perfect, innocent blood on my behalf, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to add my good works to your blood. I'm going to add my church attendance. I'm going to add my baptism. I'm going to add my communion. I'm going to add whatever to your work. Man, that's, that's dangerous ground. When you say, Jesus, I understand you died for my sins to redeem me, but I'm going to add my personal good work. What you do in essence is you bastardize the gospel. You, you just do, it's just... You mess it up. You and I cannot add anything to the work of Christ that he did on the cross. His sacrifice was more than enough. And when we add anything to Christ's work, we're mocking God when we do that. When we add our good work, and I put that in air quotes because it's not, there's, the scripture says there's none good, no, not one. Then our righteousness is what? As what? Filthy rags. So there's none of those things work. His sacrifice was more than enough. And Paul tells us that they did this in order to stay free from persecution. Because in this setting, the, the, the is, Jews were still in the mindset that you've got to do certain things to appease God. And so what they were doing is they wanted to put their foot in both camps. They wanted to have a foot in, yeah, well, I'm a Christian. But they also wanted to make sure that the Jews weren't going to be on their back and they didn't want to be persecuted. So they wanted to stay free from persecution. Look at the, look at the text. It says, For even though, even when those who are circumcised did not themselves keep the law, but they desired to have you circumcised. And then you go back up into verse uh, 12. It says, It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, 
only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. They didn't want to be persecuted, so they said, man, we're going to mix this thing. But then all through the Bible, people tried to mix the worship of God and the worship of Baal, the worship of God and Ashtar, and all these different gods. They tried to mix the things of God with the things of the world. And it's still the same things happening in 2021. People are trying to mix the things of God and mix the things of the world. And you, it's like oil and water. It won't work. It's Christ and Christ alone. He doesn't need your good work. He's not up in heaven going, man, I really need Caleb to, to step it up in order for me to make this thing work. He doesn't need me. He's the one who came to save me. I wasn't, I, I wasn't down here going, you know, the Lord needs saving. I didn't do that. Christ is the one who came to seek and save me, right? Amen? Um, and here's the thing. When you preach and teach and boast in a biblical gospel, not everybody's going to be for you. Not everyone's going to be for you. Far more people are able to applaud and head shake and yeah, Come on, get excited about a workspace system. Case in point, you guys remember Larry King from CNN? Larry King. Anytime he'd have a religious conversation, he'd have some guy, like from, it was a Muslim, a, a, a Buddhist, a Roman Catholic, a, you know, a Mormon, a Jew, and then he'd throw him, most of the time he'd throw John MacArthur on. And, and they'd, they'd ask the question, you know, what do you, what do you think? Occasionally he'd even have Oprah on. Oh, forgiven spiritual advice. Oh, she's still doing. But when he gave these people on, they'd pull this Oprah stuff and they'd say, hey, you can get to God any way you want. There's multiple paths to get to God and you're just on one and everybody's on one. We're all going to the same spot. No. Jesus said what? I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And nobody's coming to the Father except through me, Jesus made a very exclusive claim. He said, I'm the only way to get to God, period. It's happening only through me. And what will happen is you got people that will show up on this, on the news, work, news network television shows and say things like, you know, everybody can get to God any way you want. And everybody's going, oh, that's so good. Oh, golly, just, it touched me in my heart when Deepak Chopra said that about everybody can get to God any way they wanted. Oh, and then they pan it over to, to somebody like John MacArthur or somebody to say, well, what's your response, Mr. Dr. MacArthur? He says, it's Christ and Christ alone that saves us. And anyone that's outside of Christ will not be saved. They will be condemned. But Christ gives you the opportunity and the offering of forgiveness and reconciliation. Repent and believe. Everybody, they, turn, they go back to all the other people. They say, oh, he's a hate monger. He's a bigot. He's a religious terrorist. Look at that. That's just evil. That's wicked. That's horrible. Everybody loves the idea of trying to add their own merit to God's salvation. It, it won't work. It just won't work. Everyone was so happy on these television shows when you threw this man-made works-based system but when you throw in Christ and Christ alone for salvation, you are considered crazy.
Because in here, you say, why? Why is that happening, Caleb? Because the enemy, the devil, Satan, he wants, or he is trying to fool folks into, get them to believe a false gospel. And man, he's doing a bang up job. There's a lot of folks that believe a false gospel. There are people that teach a false gospel. And when you preach the actual gospel, the enemy is going to get pushy in your life. Now the case in point, Two um, biblical pastors in Canada, uh, one was just arrested yesterday again, not, not again, they, they showed up in his church on a Sunday morning, 15 police officers in riot gear, guns drawn, everything ready to say you can't have church. He said, he called him Gestapo and told him to get out. <laughs> and they left, but they came back and they arrested him yesterday. And he's in jail now. Why? Simply because he said, my mandate is from the Lord and we're going to gather and we're going to worship together. Pastor James Coates just got out of jail after three months. His only crime was that he preached the gospel when he wasn't supposed to. And now Grace Life Church in Canada is having to go underground. A Western church is now having to go underground and meet in a secret location. They can't, they fenced off their church. Imagine if they came here and they put a barbed wire fence around our church and didn't allow us to worship. That's, I mean, the building's not going to stop us. We'll find somewhere else to go. We'll find somewhere. So these, they've now begun to meet in secret and have their worship services underground. All because the gospel is a threat to the enemy's plans. So a lot of preachers don't want to, they don't want to have to live this life. They, they would say, man, I want to, they get up and they say, I want to have my best life now. Big smiling, smiles. I want to have my best life now. Think about that, that idea. I want to have my best life now. Man, I, I'm interested in having my best life in heaven. Amen. I want my best life in eternity because I'm only here for just a second. I'm here like a vapor. We're just here for a moment. I want to have my best life in eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. Go over and look at verse 13. For even those who are circumcised do not, do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised with it so they could boast in your flesh. Think about this. Why do they do this? So that they could boast in what they've accomplished. They could even, they, they don't even really, they didn't even keep the law, but they wanted to boast in like they did do it right. Like I think about pastors that, that, that throw, we'll go back to the baptismal thing. When they, they'll, they'll boast, it. man, we had 45 people baptized. We did this. These many people were saved under my ministry. How many of you guys have ever heard that? That's dangerous ground to walk on. They're saved under my ministry. Now, it's not your ministry. It's the ministry of the Holy Spirit through you. Amen? But these, these pastors, they get up and they want to boast in what they've done, what they've accomplished. Look what I've done. Look what we've done as a church. Look at this. Da, 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 da. We got this. We did this. We did this. We did that. And they boast in their own, their own accomplishments. They want to have an appearance of keeping up with what God wants. Proverbs chapter 20 verse 6 says that most men will declare their own goodness if given the opportunity. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 5 says that people uh, like this will have an appearance of godliness, but they will actually deny the actual power of God. And the Bible verse actually in 2 Timothy 3 5 
continues and says you should avoid such people like this. People that boast in their own accomplishments about what they've done for the Lord. You should stay away from those kind of people. That's what the Bible says. Most of these men's intention is to talk about how much they have accomplished. And then when you sit down and you talk to the people that they've discipled, and you ask them, hey, are you saved? Well, I, I went to church down at that old church. I memorized the Bible verse. I got in the baptismal water. I went to church camp. I did this. I did that. I did this. I did that. None of those things are the gospel of Jesus Christ. Memorizing a Bible verse will not get you into heaven. Putting yourself in the baptismal waters will not get you into heaven. Attending a church will not get you into heaven. Outside behavior modification is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's just simply an outward behavior modification. There are people that think that if they could be good enough, do good enough, look good enough, then God's going to save them. No. Outside behavior modification is not the gospel. The gospel is when an inside heart transformation takes place. And as a result of the inward heart transformation, there will be an outward flowing of a life change. Your your behavior will be changed because of the inward transformation of the heart inside. Amen? It, it, It will. Our accomplishments are truly nothing to boast in. The only thing that we have to boast in is what Christ has done in us and for us. Amen? Christ's work on the cross makes everything else feel empty and meaningless. Look at the language in that last part of that verse, in verse uh, 14. He says what? By which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. This means that our our attractions to the world, the things that are pulling us to the world, have no true real effect in a follower of Jesus Christ. Why? Because Christ, when he died on the cross, I died. I died to my flesh. Romans chapter 6 verses 1 through 6 gives us this explanation. It says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who have died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him into baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in death like, the, like his, we shall certainly be united with him in resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. So that's what baptism is a picture. It's a picture of of the the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. That's all all you see in there is just a picture. It's just a picture of what Christ has done already. So Paul's saying in Romans chapter 6 and in Galatians 6 that the world has nothing to offer a true believer because a truly lasting satisfaction comes from Jesus Christ alone. 
So those of us who find our satisfaction in things of uh, this world, and we're barking up the wrong tree. We're barking up the wrong tree at this. You'll never find the stuff of this place to be truly the thing that brings a change in your life. Rather, you're going to be constantly chasing the next thing. Think about it. As soon as you get that new gadget, it's out of date and it's done with within three months. And you've got it. Well, I need to get the new one. As soon as you get that car, you drive it off the lot. As soon as you drive it off the lot, it loses what? Value. It loses. It depreciates in value. It doesn't gain value. It depreciates. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verses 8 and 9 says... All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done, and there is absolutely nothing new under the sun. Amen? There's nothing, there's nothing new. Like we, like we think we've discovered things in this life. No. There's nothing different or new. So we got all these cool gadgets. The ability to make those gadgets has always been around. God's just granted you the ability to make sure you can understand it. It's always, we've always had it. There's nothing new. Like here's the thing. There, we're no, the generation in 2021 are no more sinful than they were in 1452. We just have more to be sinful with. That's it. There's nothing new under the sun. The devil is really, and here's the thing, the devil's really good at dangling this plastic junk of the world in front of you to make you feel and make you think and make it seem like what you've got is truly going to make you happy. But nothing is going to complete you except for Jesus Christ. And his wonderful grace and his wonderful mercy. And sadly, I mean, listen, this is why some of us are getting the mess beat out of us. Because we're chasing stuff that we shouldn't be chasing. We're looking for satisfaction. What's that? Also, looking for love in all the wrong places. Remember that song? <laughs> I'm just checking to see if you remember that song. Some of us are looking for, for the satisfaction. But oh, man, the, I can't get. No, I'm on a singing song. I'm singing spree here. Better stop. Rolling Stone, any Rolling Stone fans? All right, just checking. But some of us are looking for all these satisfactions and all this stuff. And this is why we've gotten them. I mean, like, why am I having no victory in my spiritual walk? Why, am I, why is my Christian life so dry and empty? And because you're looking for, for satisfaction in a place that was never designed to give you satisfaction. It was never, we were never designed that way. We were designed by God to find our fulfillment in Him. And what we've done is we've replaced the Creator with the creation. Some of us will even do it in our relationships. Remember Jerry Maguire? I know I'm, pop culture references like crazy today. Remember what she said? He walked in. He was going to apologize. And she's, he's in the room with all those, just, they're all a bunch of cranky people. They're all angry. And he said, our little experiment, it was nothing without you. And she's like, shut up, shut up. You had me at hello. You complete me that is a pile of garbage she was never like Jamie Gordon was never designed by God to complete me 
You know who was designed to complete me? Jesus Christ. And if I put that kind of weight on Jamie, like, listen, it's your job to complete me, woman. Guess what? That's going to that's gonna end really well. Right? That's going to go bad for me. It's going to go bad for her if she puts that on me. Because I was never designed to complete her. She was designed. And I told, I told our youth group this Wednesday night. My wife loves Jesus Christ more than she loves me. And I am excited about that. I'm excited that my wife loves Jesus more than she loves me. Because guess what? Because she loves Christ so much, and I get the overflow. Yeah. I get the overflow. It's Christ and Christ alone that we're going to find our fulfillment. Paul says that being circumcised or not being circumcised, it doesn't really matter. All that really matters is Christ and Him making you a new creation. So guys, we're going to Stop. What we need to do is we've got to stop with this trying nonsense and we've got to start with trusting. We've got to stop white knuckling it. We've got to start trusting. Stop trying to do it in your own work to gain God's favor and just start trusting in the work that Christ has already done on the cross. Because his work on the cross is more than enough for us. Like, look right at me. I want everybody just to just stop for just a minute. Look right at me. Jesus Christ wins in the end. His work on the cross sealed the deal and has, he's won the war. That when he was on the cross and he yelled out, it is finished! When he did that, you know what that meant? The war's done. Satan, you have no power. Death, you have no sting. It's over. It's over. And when you repent of your sins and you place your faith and trust in Christ alone, everything is different. And when you and I have been, you and I, like, listen, you and I have been invited to sit down at a table of his grace and feast upon what he has accomplished and done on our behalf. You and I have been invited to sit in on this table. And we get to spend forever in the presence of God. And we get to wander around and gaze at the new heaven and the new earth that God created. Where sin and death and pain and sickness no longer are a danger to anybody. Whatsoever. We get to have full access to Jesus and to commune with him forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Think about eternity. I want you just to close your eyes this morning. Think about eternity for just a second. Think about forever. How far out forever is. And then go a little bit further because it's longer. And then it's longer. And then it's longer. It's never going to end. Forever is forever. That makes 70 years, 80 years, 90 years look like what? A blip on the radar, a vapor, according to the scriptures, it's a vapor. It's nothing compared to what's coming. Jesus Christ wins, and we get to be in on that win. He has invited us in on that win. Revelation chapter 22, listen to this. Revelation chapter 22, verses 3 through 5. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it. And his servants will worship him. They will see his face. And his name will be on their foreheads. Think about this. Like, this means we get to see God's face. That means our sin nature has been eradicated. Remember when Moses said, hey, I want to see your face, God. 
God's like, listen, if you saw my face, you'd die. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to carve a notch out in the side of the hill and you get to see the back of my coat. And even that, when he got back down to the bottom of the hill, people were like, whoa, whoa, what have you encountered holiness? You've, I can't even look at you. And all he did was look at the back of Jesus. We can't look at God directly in our sin because we'll die. But what happens here in Revelation 22? They will see his face and the, his name will be across their forehead. But just incidentally, think about this. Who's, what will be across your forehead? A name. The enemy is a copycat. What's, what's, the, what's the Antichrist going to do? He's going to put what? A number. He can't be like God. He, he tries to be an imitation, but he'll never do it. He wants to put a number across their forehead, but God's going to put his name. You're named by God. Look at verse 5. It says, And the night will be no more. They will no longer need light from a lamp or the sun. The Lord God will be their light and they will reign with him forever and ever. Woo! That's exciting news. This is such a better scenario than you and I trying to white knuckle it and not cuss this week. I'm going to do better. I'm not going to yell at my wife. I'm not going to yell at my kids. Stop, like, we got to stop white knuckling this thing. You and I have been invited to be able to walk in the truth of his sovereign grace and mercy because of the accomplishment and the work of Christ on the cross. That is good news. And if you're still, man, like, listen, if you're still here after this and you're still going, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I think I can do better by me just trying better this week. I'll just listen to a motivational seminar and I'm going to do better. I'm going to have a goal set and I'm going to be a better me tomorrow. No, you need to die to yourself and you need to, like, like this is one of the things I corrected in Noah's prayers. Noah's praying and as, as he's praying, he said, God, help me to be a good kid. Sounds good, right? That's a nice little prayer. I said, brother, we need to change that. Let's move from God, make me a good kid. And let's say, God, help me to be a godly young man. Help me to be a godly young man. Not a good kid, but a godly kid. Because that's what we need. We don't need a bunch of good kids because that ain't happening. What we need is a bunch of godly kids that are chasing after Jesus Christ. What we need is a bunch of men and women who are godly, who are chasing and pursuing after the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we need. Amen? That's the good news. And if you're still here after all this and you still think, man, I, I, I'm, I'd rather love myself and my sin. Like there's some people that hear the gospel and they're still going, yeah, I don't know. I'd rather chase after my sin. That's how seductive sin is that God presents you with eternal life, grace and mercy and forgiveness. And we're still going, yeah, no, I think that sin sounds great. I think my sinfulness is great. My pride, man, man, I love my pride. I love my unforgiveness. I love being able to hold on to that and cherish it and touch it and just cuddle it. I'll find satisfaction there. No, you won't. It'll leave you empty and feeling frustrated. Oh, oh that you would repent today. Oh, that you would find Christ to be sufficient. Oh, that you would no longer, as Paul says in the last verse, he says, from now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Man, Paul said, listen, 
None of these crazy people are going to affect me anymore. Why? Because Christ has made his mark on me. He's changed my life. He's impacted me in such a way that I'll never be the same. If you say you belong to Christ and Christ is in you, but you don't look any different, man, there's a problem. There is a problem because you should look different after Jesus has an, you have an encounter with Jesus. If you truly have an encounter with the God of the Bible, you should look different. You should sound different. You should talk different. You should be different. Amen? And if you're not, you're like, man, I've, I've been the same old boy I've been for decades. Ain't no change in me. That's a problem. Because Christ changes you from the inside out. And if, he has, if you're not any different and you've still got the same habits, same anger, same language that you had before in the world, if it takes the FBI to try to figure out if you're a Christian, you're probably not one. If we had to employ the FBI to get in and take a, a, a detailed, man, I don't know if they're a Christian or not, but we're going we're gonna to watch his life for the next seven days. We're going to really scrutinize everything that he does. Like, people should know that you belong to Christ. You should look different. We shouldn't have to be like, I wonder. Like, it it should be a radical transformation. You should be different. And man, look at, like, this is the thing is that you and I have been invited in on this win. To be able to be a part of this and to see God for who he is and what he's done on our behalf. Isn't that good? That's way better than, oh, I'm going to try hard this week. Stop trying. What's, uh, we'll go back to singing, but we'll go over to him. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. Happy in who? Happy in myself? Happy in my marriage? No, happy in Jesus. But to trust and obey. What's well, uh Let's go to the Lord this morning and just pray. And I'm thankful that you're here. Oh, that you would find Christ to be sufficient. Oh, that you would see him as who he is. And that you, man, he wins. He wins. And he's invited you in, in on this. And you say, how do I get in on this? I never want to leave without letting people know. Repent and believe. Mark chapter 1 verse 15 says the kingdom of God is present. It's here now. What do you need to do? Repent of your sins and believe the gospel. Believe the good news. The death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ on the behalf of sinful human beings. Anybody in the room a sinful human being? I am. Christ came for you. Christ came to seek and to save those who were lost. If you're here today and you're like, that's me. I need to be saved. Come grab me. And we'll pray, and I'd love to share Christ with you. You guys stand with me.